This is not a military takeover. Stand by for action. Anything can happen in the next hour. yourself down strap yourself in as you're going to be listening to armitage on the paranoid squirrel rock show where over the course of the next hour you'll be exposed to music that you should hear on the radio but don't Another Friday evening, another Paranoid School Rock Show, and the second part of my interview with Paradise Alley's frontman and the host of Mystery City on Scotland Rocks Radio, Mr. Steve Vincent. But before all that, I'm going to treat you to a quick covers corner. Thank you, Barton. Only two tracks this week, but both I know will meet the approval of Steve. Up first, it's the Black Halos and their cover of Birdland's Shoot You Down that can be located as one of the B-side tracks that's on the Halos' new 7-inch Uncommon Wealth.
Now, both Steve and Billy Hopeless, probably just heard Black Halos, and indeed my good self, are fans of the Bay City Rollers. Their albums of It's a Game and Strangers in the Wind that came out in uh, 1977 and 78 respectively were at the time probably out of step with what was happening with punk and the new wave, to be honest, to me. They could quite easily have slipped into a power-pop new wave band while still maintaining all their credibility. Sadly, management and the record label thought otherwise. On It's a Game, the album is split into two. On side one, apart from Don't Let the Music Die, all the songs were written by other people. Whilst side two, the lion's share was composed by Eric Faulkner and Stuart Wood with Sweet Virginia, a joint band venture. The album was produced by Harry Maslin, who also produced David Bowie's Young Americans and Station to Station albums, which is probably why Rebel Rebel is included as the last track.
works. But you can see where I'm coming from with the rollers becoming a new wave power pop band. Right, now with Covers Corner. Out of the way, we can return to the second part of my interview with Steve Vincent. Welcome to the EE voicemail. I'm sorry, but the person you've called... Hello. <laughs> Hello, mate. Suddenly went straight to voicemail. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I've no idea what happened. I had answer. <laughs> yeah, technology is out to thwart us, but it won't succeed. Yeah. <laughs> right. So at the end of last week's show, we just got to the part where Paradise Alley had just toured the States to promote your second album, The Impossible, Never To Be Reissued, Heartbreakers and Home Records, but with... Apart from yourself, a totally different lineup. Next thing I know, you're supporting Hanoi Rocks as Neon Bomb. What the heck happened? Oh, well, what, what actually happened, there's got a long story leading up to that, yeah. Um, we came back from the, that first American tour and we felt like we were going in the wrong direction. And at the time, we felt like Delinquent were really wanting us to go into this sort of slow groove R&B, Aerosmith type thing, which wasn't us. It was taking away the punk element. And rather than sit down and talk it through, we just thought, fuck it, we'll just say we're splitting up and then we'll come back as a new band. <laughs> so we just came back. I think we played one show after we came back from the States. Um, which was up in Camden, up at Camden Lock, and then said, okay, that's it, we're splitting up now. Um, and then we did a whole campaign relaunching as Neo and Bomb, so it was the same band, and came back as that. And that went on for a couple of years. We did another American tour while we were doing that, played uh, the east, the west coast this time. So we played like LA, Whiskey A Go Go, Coconut Teaser, places like that. And that was that was great, um, but then that eventually fizzled out, and we'd actually split up um, by the time the Hanoi gig came along, um, and a couple of us weren't even ch- talking at that point. Um, and it was the promoter. It was when they first came back and they played Camden Palace, um, and it was uh, I'd already been hanging out with with Andy because he'd been doing promo stuff, Andy McCoy. So I'd been hanging out with him while he was in London. And uh, we got the call off the promoter saying, you know, I've got, we've, we've went to put you guys on. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. Got off the phone and thought we didn't even have a band. So, yeah, we, we, we basically, a few frantic phone calls got back together and did that show. On the rest of the best compilation CD, the song selections have been taken, obviously, from the two albums, but also the Neon Bomb sessions. Are there any more demos from that era knocking about? There's lots of demo stuff. Some of it, again, relates to the lineup that recorded Heartbreakers, so it'll just never see the light of day, sadly. Um, but yeah, I keep every so often I keep coming across demos and think I don't even remember doing that. <laughs> <laughs> so you never know. Um, I do have a big box of tapes in storage somewhere, which there may be more stuff in there. I do really need to sit down someday and go through it and find out what we've got. At the moment, there's just, I think, two or three tracks that that aren't released. One of my favourite tracks on the compilation album is Didn't You Used To Be Somebody that is apt on oh so many occasions. After we got off the phone, I realised I hadn't asked him if it was a Paradise Alley or a Neon Bomb demo, so I messaged him. It seems that that particular version 
is from the album sessions in Alabama for the second album. There is, however, a version that they did as Neon Bomb that has a very Steve Steven solo with whammy bar and police siren effects. Of course, I was like, Steve, you know how much I like alternative versions? it's time for the first of this week's songs that have inspired Steve or have been inspirational. Now, not wanting to boast, but I pride myself on having a lot of relevant music. But the next song you chose, 
I knew nothing about. Didn't know it existed. Bearing in mind the band only released a 12-inch, a 7-inch and a compilation album, and it isn't on any of those. Kill City Dragons and the aptly titled Inspiration. Where the heck is that from? And can you send it to me? <laughs> that was actually one of their first demos uh, they recorded in the early days. Um, and it was recorded as part of the sessions, I think, f- um, if I remember right, from Billy and I were talking about it, for the, the Let Em Eat KKP, and it just never made the cut. Um, and it was it was always a great song live, and it's a bit more mellow, and it's it's got a bit of a Hanoi-esque dogs type vibe about it. Um, it's just a great song, and again, they were one of those bands, having been through the you know, watched Hanoi come and disintegrate as they did, sadly, and then getting that resurgence with the Choir Boys and the Dogs, and obviously you had Guns and Roses drove a lot of things going on media wise with you know with that type of rock and roll at one point before they became you know this bloated corporate rock machine but then when the, the dragons came along it, it felt like you know that that it was driving that scene and i i was always fascinated for a long time by the whole london soho scene rock scene because it just had this vibe about it and the dragons for me were such a great band I remember going to see them live so many times um, and then a, subsequent years hanging out with them towards the end when they had Johnny in the band when Billy had went off to join um, Shooting Gallery or form Shooting Gallery but yeah just that inspiration was just such a great song um, and certainly for me as a front man and stuff I always I'm quite I'm not ashamed to admit that I uh, we share a lot of the same influences anyway through people like Iggy and Alice Cooper. But yeah, definitely Billy was a big influence on, on me as I, I sort of grew into being a singer and a frontman.
So what happened after Neon Bomb split? Uh, basically, I, at that point, I left London, um, and it was I gave up music. Everybody went their own directions, um, and it was nothing's happening. Um, and then I tried. I started a, a new band. I'd moved up up north, and I started a new band up in Sheffield uh, called the Black Stars, which was just I was playing bass, and it was just meant to be a bit of a laugh. Um, and somehow that dragged on for five years, and it was. I have to musically, it was just throwaway sort of punky pop glam type stuff, but it it wasn't really my heart wasn't in it, and it, it just fizzled out eventually. Basically, you were just trying to keep your hand in. Yeah, um, it was that realization that you know I, I need to play music. It's you know I can go off and do other things, but I need to play music. And then slowly but surely, we 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 got back. The, the band eventually got back together. The, the original drummer, who I formed the band with, he sadly passed away at the start of two thousand and twelve. Um. And at the funeral, we thought, yeah, we should maybe get back together and do a show um, or a couple of shows for charity, which sadly never happened. Um, but over a couple of years, I think it took us about two years from that happening before we did actually get back in the rehearsal room. Um, and we had a little bit of a reunion, played half a dozen shows. But again, it fizzled out. A lot of the, the things that, you know, and that was the lineup that had toured the States. Uh, both times, but a lot of the, the same things that had you know been between the band members started coming back and behaviours, and it was like yeah. Sometimes it's nice to look back at the past, but it's better to keep it in the past as well. <laughs> so yeah, that kind of fizzled out um, until I was over in Helsinki visiting my friends from Plastic Tears, um, and we were at um, for a drink one night, and it just we were talking about how the fact how we both formed at the same time, how we had this shared history, but we'd never actually done anything together. And then from there, it sort of ballooned into the, the, the recent reformation, sort of two years back, three years ago, sorry. All this culminated in the Class of 92 single that came out at the end of 2019. There was a joint effort from both you, Paradise Alley, and the aforementioned Plastic Tears. How did that come about? Yeah, um, basically this, uh, that came about because we just were like, yeah, let's do a new song because we hadn't done anything new in nearly 20 years at that, well, in 20 years at that point. Um, and it was, uh, what are we going to write about? And the guitarist at that point said to me, well, you know, why not write about something to do with the band? And it evolved in the class to 92. Um, and while we were doing it, while we were demoing it at my house, it was actually my my lovely wife who suggested, why don't you do this with Plastic Tears and get them to record with you? Um, and then it became the, the joint single where me and Nico shared lead vocals. And at the time, anyway, we didn't have a drummer. But um, then Echo, who's from Plastic Tears, their drummer, he, he played the drums on it as well. Um, and the rest of the guys did backing vocals. So it became a joint a joint single. Obviously, this would be a good time to play said single. Superstars, we always knew that we'd go far. 
for another one of your inspirational tunes, Steve. And uh, No Way Out by Degeneration from... Um, the, the first, both the albums, really, the, for the debut album and No Lunch. That's right. I was just testing it. Again, another great band um, came through, that came through, I think, while we were just getting ready to record Heartbreakers. So that shows you how long that was sitting and stagnating. Um but yeah, again, they they were just a great band. Um, I loved the energy, and and No Way Out is just such a, a cracking song. Um, and it deals with quite, you know, it's not just a. I, I just went to have lots of sex and take lots of drugs. It it, it got a real feel there and a meaning to it. So again, a, a vastly underrated band. Um, should it should have you know should have had better breaks. Sadly, they didn't.
wishing for Cinderella Savior and Anna Just can't stay Cause facts and cause phonies But I'll make the gin of money And you ate it Cause I shake it to the class of 92 single on the back it says coming from the forthcoming album Last Train to Babylon yes (laughs) obviously the pandemic has put pay to a lot of bands rehearsing but not writing but what I can gather Paradise Attic could be on the back burner in favour of a Steve Vincent solo album well it's been really sporadic with writing because um, I work in healthcare in my real life job, and um, so I kind of saw what was coming last, you know, February 2020 as it started to escalate, and I thought this is going to change things because at that point we were supposed to be getting together the right, start writing the rest of the album and book recording, and obviously once lockdowns came in, it was like okay, we need to, we need to do something different. We need, you know, we can't all sit in a room and play guitars and sing and do that so we're going to have to try and do this remotely um, and I just jumped in at the deep end and, and bought the gear from my own home studio and initially there was a couple of fits and starts and ironically there was a song called Last Train the Babylon um, which was demo. there was a rough demo of it and the com- my computer was updating and corrupted the file um, so I basically then had to go away and I'd, I'd written that with one of the guitarists um, and I had to go away and I was like, well, at that point we're back, we were back in a full lockdown um, and he had come up at one point when it was a bit more lax and recorded at my, my studio. So it was like, okay, we're gonna, I'm going to have to do something. So I literally wrote the song back from scratch. So it's, it's become my, my song. <laughs> but yeah, what happened was I was writing um, and I actually became went, got quite prolific sort of last summer because I haven't written a lot of stuff on my own for the band. I've only actually in 1998 was the last time I went to the, the band with a song that was totally mine, not a collaboration. Um, so yeah, I just started writing a lot more songs and I started to demo them. And it was just a learning curve for me and I took them to the band and I wasn't getting much of a reaction and I thought, oh, okay, nobody's really into these. But then I played them to a few other people, that musicians that I'm friends with, and they were like, man, what are you doing with these? I want to play in this. This is a great song. And I was like, okay. Um, and I'd actually been offered a solo deal back in 1998 by my then record label and then turned it down because I was like, nope, I'm a team player, I'm, it's band or nothing. 
And I just started thinking, yeah, maybe I should just do a solo album because nothing's happening. Nobody's coming to me with song ideas. I think I had two, I got a couple of riffs over the whole of the pandemic off the other guys. And I was just like, this is, there's no enthusiasm. There's no sort of drive. And I was sitting watching other bands do stuff and managed to record and, you know, get things out. And I thought, we don't know how long this is going to go on for, you know. Um, I need to be moving forward because it's, while it's cool going out and playing the songs as Paradise Alley, at the same time, some of these songs are like 30 years old. You know, it's it, it's hard to be excited when you're playing the same songs for 30 years. Because <laughs> you're not a heritage band, from my point of view, from the times I've seen you live, I mean, obviously not last year. Actually, saying that, the last gig I went to before it all went into total lockdown was at the... Uh, the Hope and Anchor. Hope and Anchor, that's right. And uh, you, as a band, still seemed to have that fire of wanting it, whatever it is, and to put on a great show. But I guess during the pandemic, many people reevaluated their lives or just got out of the habit of being in a working band. Mm. No, I think you just... You either sit back and go, okay, it's game over until whenever, or you just knuckle down and go, I've got to do something. Um, and, you know, I it, it was a tough time because I work in healthcare, so I saw a lot of stuff that I never thought I'd see. It wasn't pleasant. I had the virus as well, and I still suffer because of it. So it was like, I need something that's actually quite cool, and it's a positive so it just kind of developed from there and became the solo album. doesn't mean that Paradise Alley's over, but what will happen with it, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's my band, so I can call the shot that if I want to do something, I can if I think, yeah, it's, you know, because next year would have been the 30, well, will be the 30th anniversary of the band. From your solo album, Recovered From My Past, this is the rough mix of Don't Go Breaking My Heart, open brackets, again, close brackets, and I'm glad to see, again, now, Enclosed in brackets. Don't go breaking my heart again You know I can't take 
You, as in Paradise Alley, are due to play this year's Hard Rock Sleaze Festival. It was postponed from last year up in Sheffield over the August Bank holiday. That, that's the plan. <laughs> Unless everything goes pear-shaped with the virus again, <laughs> that is the plan, that we will be there. <laughs> Plastic Tears are also on the bill for Hard Rock Sleeve on the same day, so there was that hope that the two of you would join each other to perform Class of 92. But in a cruel twist of fate, give or take 10 minutes, you're both on at the same time on different stages. Well, yeah, I mean, that was that was the plan when we were, we were gunning for it because originally we, we had a tour booked and everything for around when it was last year. Uh, we had got a, a full UK tour booked with the two bands. But obviously the pandemic put paid to that. Um, so, yeah, the hope was that at least at one show we could get up on a stage together and play the song live as, as the two of us. The penultimate band from Steve's inspirational songbook is gunfire dance that should have been a lot bigger than what they were and give me back my heart yeah i mean they were so close for so long and again i think it's that double-edged sword because it's like you see so many bands and then they do go and you know they, they get the the magic moment and then you see what they become you know i think guns and roses are the perfect example and suddenly everybody and their granny loves them and they become like everything that you hate so I think there's something to be said for remaining underground (laughs) as well but Gunfire Dance right from the minute I saw them just had that magic about them again it was they were the real deal Um, and I actually remember seeing them uh, supporting Tiger Tales of Old People on the Bizarre Tour uh, and they were just phenomenal. They were every, again, they were just everything that I loved musically. They clearly came from the same, you know, the same sort of musical heritage that I was in there. So I fell in love with them straight away. Um, and we actually, after that gig, my friends and I hung out with them, and it's particularly Jeff. And it was just such a, a cracking night. Um, having duck walking contests in the bathrooms at, uh, at the Glasgow venue, uh, discussing leopard print boots. And they were just such nice people. Um, and that song, you know, yeah, it's a really obvious song, but I remember the Kerrang review dissing it and saying it was, uh, Ray Zell saying it was something that Tyler knocked off in the back of a fag packet in five minutes. And I thought that was such a disservice to that song because it's, it's just a great hook um, and a great song. It's such a pick-me-up. And I, I always thought, yeah, they've got other great songs like Blue and Bliss Street, you know, but it, it kind of tarnished that. So I think I, they might disagree, but Shane, that might say different how they felt about it. But I always felt like it kind of tarnished it for them and they sort of dismissed it because it was like, oh, it's just a cheap dogs the moon rip off and I ended, for me it never felt like that it just felt like such a a great rock and roll song Like 
apart from don't go breaking my heart open brackets again close brackets are we due to hear anything else from your solo album yeah hopefully um we're just um i've got some more recording planned coming up um over the next week um and then we're going in to finish the drums on the last song because um, actually all the songs apart from one are written entirely by myself um, the last song is actually a co-write between myself and Miku again from Plastic Tears um, so yeah we've we've just got to finish the drums on that and we've got a couple of I mean I play bass on some of the album but um, I think that's Seven, seven of the songs we've we've got Danny from the Wild Hearts, so we've got two more to finish with Danny as well. So, apart from Danny, who else can we expect to hear on the album? So yeah, well we've got um, obviously Ben Marsden, who's from the Spangles, um, one of Hugh Hodges' band. He's playing in a couple of tracks. Um, there's quite a few other guests actually. Um, I'm not going to reveal them all because I want to keep a little bit of mystery as we build up. But um, I think the next reveal I can. I'll, I'll give it to you as an exclusive here. Um, we we have uh, Matthias Johansson, the, the guitarist with Trench Dogs from Sweden. So um, when uh, I advertised, when I put a post up actually on social media saying I was looking for guitarists to collaborate with on a, a recording project, the first two guys, well, it was three got in touch with me and the, the third one will be revealed soon. But the other two were Ben and uh, Matthias who got in touch. Um, so, yeah, um, He's, he's on a few of the tracks as well. Talking to social media, at the beginning of April, you posted a thread on Facebook titled Boys Do Cry. And I have to be honest, I was rather shocked and taken aback at what you had been accused, with no evidence, it was domestic abuse. That was proved in the end to be totally fabricated, but there still was and is, although I think it's dwindling, the you know, no smoke without fire merchants who continue to peddle these false rumours with it turning out that you were the one being abused. This must have been horrendous, obviously, personally, but musically, it must have been you know, devastating. How, how did you cope? Um, it, it's not nice. Um, that's putting it politely. Um, you kind of, you know, things happen in life, um, and unfortunately I was the victim of domestic violence both physical and mental, several times over many years in different relationships. Um, and it's actually an overhang from one of these relationships that this keeps coming up. Because to cover their tracks, this person then turned it on its head um, and said that I was the perpetrator. And every so often they rear their head. Um, I mean, they used to do it through, they would use other people or they would create false accounts. They used to do it on chat rooms back when we had chat rooms in the early days of the internet. Um, and when I, that started, I remember at the time I spoke to a lawyer and he was like, you know, yep, you've got grounds because there's no case, you know, it's all fabricated. So you'd have you'd have grounds but it's tracking the person down because it's all under false accounts and then if you sue them what do you win because they're not going to have the money that you're going to you know that that, that you're going to win as a as a compensation um and it keeps disappearing and then reappearing and it is it's is horrible it's still destroying because it's and i think in in this day and age with the internet there is that judge jury and executioner and people are quite happy to jump in. Everybody loves a witch hunt. Well, not everybody, but a lot of people love a witch hunt. Um, you know, 
I don't go on Twitter because Twitter loves a witch <laughs> about everybody. Um, but yeah, Facebook's Facebook's very similar. Um, so yeah, it's it's not nice to, to get these things just because they're not true. Yeah, basically, it's a pile of rubbish, and they just want to do it just to stir shit up, basically. Sadly, Rock Radio UK listeners, we will be fading out during the next song. The aptly titled "Never Listen to Rumours" from Honest John Plain. But if you want to hear more from Steve, and of course you do. But at the expense of Will Meadows' classic rock show, or if you're listening to the one on Sunday morning, Ula's Cool Kitchen, both of which are repeats, then head over to Mixcloud, Forward Stroke Armitage, or Podbean, where we will be continuing our conversation. Oh! 
Right, welcome back, Rock Radio UK listeners. Unfortunately, Steve, in this day and age, you've got to have some sort of social media presence to get your product heard. I mean, back in the day, it was Krang that you've already mentioned would feature Paradise Alley, along with the likes of Sounds and Melody Maker. But post something on social media and it's immediately given fact status without it actually being checked to see if it's true. Something that would never happen in the press because of you know the threat of liable action and the loss of credibility. Exactly. I don't know. If, if something like that, yeah. what happened to you, was levelled at me, I just don't know what I'd do. It's, it's, yeah, at times you just think, I've had enough and you just want to walk away from it all. But then you know you can't because you have to stand up because if you walk away, then it just fuels the fire and people go, oh, yeah, you're walking away because you're guilty. And I think, you know, I can actually... I can sympathise and empathise with somebody like Johnny Depp, you know, who's obviously much higher profile than me Slightly. in the public eye. Slightly. And he's been through the courts with all of this. Um, and yet some of the people that have judged me as guilty with zero evidence have judged him as perfectly whiter than white. I'm not saying he is, because like I say, I actually feel, I really feel for him. I think it's ridiculous, um, the witch hunt that's went on there. But um, you know, I just think, yeah, you it's you you can you can't choose to believe one story and not the other. N- none of us go through life as perfect, you know, and angels. So, and you know, I, I think when people suddenly sit there and get all judgmental, it's like, well, you know, you, unless you've got the truth, you've heard the truth, and you've heard all sides of the stories, then don't don't sit there in judgment. So yeah, recovered from my past. There are a few songs that are well, all the songs in various ways are autobiographical, but some of them do relate to to the, that event and the events that actually caused that as well. Changing the subject onto something more enjoyable, uh, as well as your day job, fronting Paradise Alley and recording your solo album every other Tuesday. On Scotland Rocks Radio, you host the very excellent Mystery City. How did that come about? <laughs> Purely by accident. We'd um, basically we've all always talked. Um, Kerry and I have always talked about maybe doing a, a night, like a club night thing, just playing this type of music, sort of glam punk, rock and roll. Um, and obviously, the pandemic made sure that wasn't going to happen. Um, but it was just a way of doing an outlet. Um, and I used to actually, many, many moons ago in the early days when I was on Facebook, I used to sit on a Saturday morning and post lots of YouTube videos. And I used to get lots of interaction from various people from that I was still friends with from back in the day. And Kerry was like, why don't you do a show? And I thought, yeah, you know, I could. And the chance came up to do one in Scotland Rocks. And they just sort of said, right, you know, you do what you want, mate. Tell us what your idea is. You can run with it. It's yours to, you know, play with as you wish. Um, and that's how it came about. So I just sort of jumped in and it was it, it was quite a, you know, quite daunting to begin with. But, yeah, I enjoy it. And obviously it started. It was only an hour every two weeks. Now it's two hours every two weeks. My only criticism is that you should do two hours every week. <laughs> I like to leave them wanting more. <laughs> And unless you do a radio show, I don't think people know how much work and effort goes into making one. Obviously, in my case, not very much, as we've already overrun my hour slot by three and a half minutes. But your <laughs> show is one of the shows that I always make sure I listen to because you play music that, you know, you obviously enjoy. It means something to you. I mean, if you listen to the likes of uh, uh, Six Music or other you know, radio stations that are supposed to cater for us, 
you don't hear those bands and we that we both play and you know we want to hear i mean it's hard enough for new bands at the moment with you know the pitiful amount you'll earn from the streaming services you know apart from Bandcamp, Bandcamp friday today uh to be heard because you know you've got to fit onto some suits playlist so you know i take my hat off to you if not tip it for not playing you know the obvious songs and you you're one of the podcasts i listen to. i'm not just saying that you know i do yes, you are you are you are just saying that i'll, I'll, I'll be paypaling you the money later <laughs> no i mean i think it's it's good to have the outlets and like say this type of music that you know that there aren't a lot um and it's trying to balance it it's play the stuff that is from sort of through the last sort of five decades that doesn't get played and mix in the new bands and give them a, a decent platform that people will go you know and i know it works because i get messages all the time from people going oh what was that band you played on tuesday night just before such and such a song um and I think that's nice because it's the, the people will message me about new stuff, but they'll also message me about old bands that they've maybe missed for whatever reason. I just think, yeah, that's it. The show's doing its job because it's turning people on to this stuff. Absolutely. And we've come to the last track that has been inspirational for you. Poison Heart, but uh, not by the Ramones, but this is the Stiff Baiters version. It's, it's just my favourite version. Um I've, I always think, you know, I mean, I love the Ramones version. Um, Dee Dee wrote some great songs. I know this was a co-write. Um, but for me, it's just, I love the song. I love the sentiment. Um, it applies to so many, you know, so many parts of my life that I've, I've been through looking back. I could cover that on Recovered From My Past. <laughs> and it would fit in perfectly. Um, but I just think it's a great song and I love Stiv's version. Um, you know, I mean, it, it constantly gets cr- miscredited to saying that Thunders is on it and stuff. And and, and it's not, and neither is Dee Dee, but it would have been the perfect liner. Stiff Beta, Johnny Thunders and Dee Dee Ramone. However, the liner is still extremely good with ex-Godfather and future Dan guitarist Chris Donimore. Another great guitarist. Fom from Titanhausen played drums, and uh, when we were speaking about this earlier in the week, neither of us uh, we could remember who played bass. Fortunately, Tom from the Phobics managed to get in contact with Germany's top Phobic fan, Rebecca, who asked Vom, who came back with, and I quote, "It was Neil X from Zig Zig Spooknik who played bass on the whole album." So thank you, Tom, Rebecca. And Vom's memory. But no, I just think it's a great version, and it's it's one of my favourite songs. It's, I have to resist when I'm, you know, when I'm putting the shows together and my own shows together. If I'm going to put a stiff song, although I love a lot of his stuff, you know, with Wanderers, Lords of the New Church, his solo stuff, I have to resist putting that in every time because it just there's something about that version that just rings so true to me and touches me more than the other version. <laughs> Oh, oh, oh. 
before I let you go, can you just remind the listeners, Steve, where they can get hold of you? So, of the Facebook's the the, the best one. Um, you can find me on um, Steve Vincent Official. That's my solo page. Um, there's also Paradise Alley UK. So that's the band page. Either of those, you can uh, get in touch with me, and I'll happily chat away. And um, even with the band pages. It's me. <laughs> it's me that answers everybody. It's me that sends out the, the merch. So there's all our stuffs there. The stuff that is available, you can get on the, the Facebook page. So with, with Paradise Alley at the moment, there's the first album, there's the best of, there's still some copies of the single, and there's various T-shirts. At the moment, there's nothing merchandise-wise with the Steve Vincent page, but hopefully the album will be finished by the end of this year, mixed and mastered. Like I say, we, we're hoping to finish the recording of that over the next sort of month. Um, just waiting on the last couple of bits and the last lead guitar part being done. And then uh, getting that over to uh, to my uh, mixing wizard to get him working on it and uh, take it forward for that. And for your radio show? Oh, and of course the radio show, that's there as well. Um, Mystery City, Steve Vincent's Mystery City. That's, uh, if you put that in the search box on Facebook, that, that will come up. Um, and that that keeps you up to date with all the show, the show broadcast dates. Um, also in Mixcloud, so you can find the shows there under Steve Vincent 3. Um, and also on Instagram under Vincenzi Rocks. Um, and Paradise Alley is also on Instagram as well, and the Paradise Alley UK as well, if, if my memory serves me correctly there. <laughs> well, thanks, Steve, for spending the last two Fridays on the Paranoid School Rock Show, even if we overrun this week by nearly 15 minutes. Thanks for having me on the show. It's been a pleasure. Anyway, it's good to talk to you, hopefully. And you, mate. Hopefully we'll be able to see each other in person um, and not at two metres, um, live and on stage. Yeah. Yeah, very soon, hopefully. Yeah. All right, take it easy, Steve. And you, mate. See you soon. Speak to you later. Bye. Cheers. Bye. I hope you enjoyed last week's and, indeed, this week's show as much as I did recording it. Finishing things off this week, it's going to be Billy Idol and Can't Break Me Down that I know Steve enjoys. Until next week, take it easy.
This episode of the Paranoid Squirrel Rock Show was produced by Bart and Stacey, engineered by Fenny Bridges and was hosted by Armitage Schmidt and was a Wopsies Lodge production.